0: You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast
1: for players by players, and all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass.
0: So I'm going to lead you into the questions. How many drafts have you done, sir?
1: Drafts? uh four drafts so far so i've I've been traveling for work for a week and and didn't get to draft like actually that's a lie i did one draft down in melbourne but um this week and next week this week coming rather next week gonna be my sort of weeks to get into some drafts so already have organized some with locals and yeah looking forward to drafting this i'm having so much fun drafting it i think um just want to do more (laughs) and also it's very beneficial heading towards singapore and the pro tour
0: yep um i also have one draft so i think we're perfectly set up to speak about the subject like experts nah just kidding i've all, uh, i've all, i do have a couple drafts i guess uh but most of my knowledge actually comes from discussion watching other people's drafts i was at uh, in ohio this weekend particularly it was around uh, michael fang yangji and yonji all right so yonji and um yeah they were they are very good <laughs> at limited it is incredible um they really approach the game from like a quantitative perspective and it's really it's impressive very fundamental based anyway this is episode 64 of arsenal pass i'm brader patrick joined by hayden dale we are leading you into hayden's week in flesh and blood how did it go sir
1: yeah, I mean, I just kind of spoiled already. it already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not really much of a week in flesh and blood, been traveling, but I did over the past, I guess, if I say my two weeks in flesh and blood, because we recorded early last time for the podcast, episode 63 was an early record due to the schedules me and Brendan have had recently pretty chaotic, but I've done, as I say, four drafts, um, and did a, a tasty 03 Icelandic draft in one of them, nice. managed a three zero and a couple of two ones. Um and then I've played my first handful of games in Class Constructed, just... I have a Road to Nationals that class constructed this weekend. I do need to play some events to get some XP to either qualify for my Nationals on XP or you know top four Road to Nationals. So I'm going to play this weekend and probably uh, one other or uh, yeah, one other in a couple of weeks' time. But I've got a classic construct and a draft this weekend. So I have just started thinking about what I might play this weekend. I've played a few games. Um, I think started as a lot of people have with kind of the, the, the big boys of the format or the, the big heroes of the format ultim prism Phi, and um, running a few games and briar and um just looking at maybe what i might play lexi is an option for sure Viscerize on my radar so just trying a couple of things in a few games and and then gonna gonna sort of select and probably mostly a deck for the weekend but yeah looking forward to it it's been a it's been a busy week but managed to play some flesh and blood which always feels good how about you brennan what have you been i know you've been traveling but you're also in ohio so tell us all about ohio
0: Yes, also a very busy week, but I ended up in Ohio. Um, so, day one, uh, Tan and Grace had some flight issues. I actually cast the Classic Constructor $10,000 tournament um, alongside Flake, DeMarco, and Charmer, which was a really good experience. I really enjoyed it. I thought we had good chemistry, particularly me and Flake's casting of the finals. I thought was, uh, uh, it was a good time. We, we had fun with it. But overall, I really like the experience and I'm hoping to do more casting in the future. Ohio itself, uh, fun experience. So we're in Ashland, Ohio. It's about an hour away from the airport, uh, from Cleveland. And there's no Ubers there. It's uh, Which doesn't, it doesn't sound that crazy until you wake up at the, in the hotel at 8 a.m. You got to be there by 9 a.m. And there's literally no way you can get to the venue. I was in Starbucks asking locals to give us a ride. So eventually we found, yeah, we got like some dude. like somebody like knew a dude who like worked for was some veteran guy just drove people around we got his contact and he drove us to the event um so that was a process like i said casting friday great time but then here comes sunday me and the boys michael fang and yuanji um take down the team unified seal tournament uh the five thousand dollar one which was super fun i had a great time uh the team event I, obviously, I played the one in Vegas, and that that was good as well. But this one was, it was fun. The finals, it's the finals was pretty funny, and we didn't talk to each o- each other very much outside of the, uh, you know, in between games. We would maybe theory craft some strategy, but um, in the final, we got a little bit vocal, and it was it was a good time.
1: So, are you telling me that Michael Fang has done what Michael Hamilton couldn't do and carried you to a team win?
0: Michael Fang actually did go undefeated, but. <laughs> we we had the most busted Icelander pool like I've ever seen. Um and then we had uh sorry it wasn't Yonji, it's Yongji on um on Dramai and then me on Fi. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Fang did carry me to a win, I guess, technically. He he actually went undefeated. Sometimes this I think sometimes his game didn't finish, maybe, but overall he was crushing it.
1: I've heard he's pretty good at flesh and blood, so it makes sense. And um, c- cool to see you. I checked out a little bit of the the coverage, and yeah, I saw um, Flake, saw Charmer, and then there was this other guy, and, and he was alright as well. So I thought the coverage was great, actually. In all, in all honesty, I thought it was an awesome uh, event to sort of kick off. I really unfortunate that you know uprising wasn't legal for this Ohio ten k classic constructed event, um, just because of. You know distribution issues in the US and that was unfortunate but it was really cool to see this kind of like lost meta that we'll never see again this meta where Starvo isn't around Chain isn't around but it's the pre-Uprising meta without those two already living legend uh it was a really cool idea so it was it was nice to see that and I think in the end uh Brendan correct me if I'm wrong but a Briar player playing this like very sort of interesting slower kind of but with belittles in their Briar deck very very different sort of Briar list right that um beat uh, Travis, who is one of our patrons. Shout out to Travis in the final, who I think has made back-to-back finals of the uh, the Realm Games events. Yep,
0: Travis actually did drive me home for that event, too. Um, so yeah, the Mirror is hard to evaluate that Briar deck, because he was playing 70 cards, and I think they had already uh, split the prize, oh, wow. so they are kind of playing for fun. <laughs> like, he had met in his deck, which was just wild. Um, so I didn't really get to see that deck in all of its glory. The takeaway from that weekend is, in that meta, not a lot of old him showed up, and the Prisms were getting beat up for the most part now want to pray on yes travis got to the finals but for the most part prisms are really struggling um i know dayla mac had like a particularly hard time um but overall prism was not the pick in my opinion unless you were teched for briar which is you know show um, me that show me that deck <laughs> uh, so yeah briar briar was the briar was the dominant first force of the weekend
1: yep well we're going to definitely dive into some more constructive as we get into the road to national season we're going to get some events under our belts like i say i'm playing an event this weekend so i'm sure i have stuff to talk about next weekend uh is fire the real deal is dromai a sleeper and uh if we remember brennan you said that you thought fire was like bolton tear but that icelander and dromai were the ones that had the highest upside so let's see uh let's see how we go with that my memory's a bit foggy on that one but uh yeah i bet it is (laughs) let's
0: change the subject and head to the news
1: Let's head into the news. Um, I want to say a massive thank you first of all to all of our subscribers on YouTube. We're at nearly 4,500. I think we are 4.49. Um, so, our goal before PT Lil is to hit 5K. So, if you aren't subbed, go and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We appreciate all that you do for engaging and, and getting involved. And, Brennan's got a special update for a pretty cool thing that's happening this July with a bunch of community creators uh, and our community, our wider community, Flesh and Blood community. But before we get to that, if you don't, um, uh, actually brendan tell us about now i was gonna say before we get to it tell us about now what are we doing for july and what is happening and give us a bit of an update on um fish and blood what's the hashtag i've forgotten the hashtag already it's the fab
0: fitness challenge so we went with the we went with a bit of alliteration there alliteration.
1: F- fab fitness yeah
0: um so basically in july we're doing sort of a community i don't know wide event where we're going to focus on health, fitness, mindfulness, literally whatever you want it to be. It can be cardiovascular exercise, lift, lifting weights, yoga, meditation, whatever it is. But for 30 days, the community is going to get together, set out some goals and set to accomplish them, right? We're using that hashtag on on Twitter to sort of facilitate all this content aggregating um, on that platform. In the Arsenal Pass Discord, uh, specifically, we do have multiple channels for this. A general chat as, that is very active at this time. I think we have 150 people that are... Sp- and they have they had to specifically role react to get in. So we're actually participating in the event. I'm super excited. For me you know, I've set out some goals for myself and I am actually posting every single day in that Arsenal Pass Discord. Um, so everything I eat, all the exercises I do, sort of my takeaways for the day, like what was hard, what was easy, et cetera, et cetera. Just getting that progress um, sort of clocked in uh, and at the same time, putting out some content so I can be held accountable to sort of what I've set out to do. I'm really excited and the um, I'm really happy with the The reception so far we've had multiple content creators come on one of them being flake you know taylor morrow the tall timmy so many people so it's really going to be a cool event and i hope that we can have an awesome awesome july and make positive impactful change
1: Yep, definitely i mean for myself i'm getting involved i'm not going to be posting as regularly as brendan but i'll I'll give some updates and mine is um more around my sort of uh i guess my my mental wellness and my uh, my sleep has been something that's been very impacted over the past, <clears throat> to be honest, couple of years. So I'm really focusing on that, trying to get into better, healthier habits with my sleep. Started well last night. Brendan, it's currently the 1st of July here. So I've started already. Last night went well. Got my eight hours sleep. I'm aiming for seven and a half hours sleep a, a night, which is, you know, a, a lot of people know it's not easy when... Um, you, you know you have a, have a busy life especially I don't envy those of you that have uh, you know a family and trying to still maintain your sleep it's very very difficult you know priorities are, are very different so um, that's something that I'm going to be talking about a little bit and the things that I'm doing to help me with that um, and otherwise Brendan how can how can people get involved with the challenge if they want to
0: So honestly, the prerequisite to getting involved is just to go get after it in July. But if you want to be a part of the community and you want to be a part of the conversation and be a part of that group, um, for us, we have the Arsenal Pass Patreon Discord. We have that specific place where we're communicating with our audience. But you can honestly go through whatever content creator you want that is participating in this challenge. I know Flake has channels set up for it, the Attack Action Podcast does, and I'm assuming others will as well. So wherever you want to build your community and sort of set up that accountability for July, up to you. Outside of that, on Twitter, the hashtag Fat Fitness Challenge, that's what we're doing to sort of communicate with each other and, like I said, aggregate that data on Twitter. Um, but that's all you need. You know, it like, like we said, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be something, you know, simple, only a few times a week, whatever it is, but just one goal that's uh, just a goal for the month, uh, maybe something that you haven't been able to accomplish before, and hopefully we can all sort of motivate each other to get something done.
1: Yep, definitely. Uh, yeah, Re- reach out on Twitter if you're looking for these communities. Everyone's on there. Um, you know, I know I saw uh, Taylor tweet about his community on the Attack Action Podcast Discord. So, you know, there's, there's plenty out there, and everyone's here to, to you know, to pump each other up. And, and like you say, Brennan, get after in July. So that's happening. Uh, Roads National start this weekend. Good luck to everyone who's participating. You can find all your events nearby you on uh, fabtcg.com um, and CC and draft. So class constructed and draft events running around. History packs one for Europe, uh, for the European languages have dropped. So these are the the first drop, which is Black Border. And I don't know if you've seen this, Brennan, but yeah. there is full art cold foil uh, heroes in these packs. This little, I think James James White put in an article a thank you present to the European communities who've waited so patiently for this product to drop in their native languages.
0: I'm pretty jealous. They are beautiful. They look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful. Um, yeah, all, all I'm wondering from that is like, what's it gonna, what's it gonna cost me to get my hands on one of those? But they look really cool. It's a great addition to the product. I think you know you have it in another great. language, which functionally is making the game more accessible. I know some people do buy those cards for aesthetics, but on top of that, now you have this sort of uh, these sort of chase cards, so it makes it exciting to open the product. I think it's a good idea.
1: Yep. Yep, yeah, definitely. And the other sort of big news, although big little news, because not, not a massive amount of changes, but the schedule ban and suspended announcement happened quietly last week, just as we dropped the pod. I was so anxious after we just talked about our first impressions of Classic Constructor for them to be like, Prism's banned or you know something big to happen. But uh, Classic Constructed no changes uh, other than the Living Legion, which we knew was happening. So Bravo, Star of the Show, Chain, Bound by Shadow have gone into Living Legion. And Brendan, uh, devastatingly, Galaxy Black has also gone into Living Legion because it is uh, Chain's signature weapon. So,
0: you know, I I just like I don't know why people have been playing with Rosetta Thorn. Like, why would you do, you know, one for two yeah. and two, or why, why not go one for one and potentially three? And um, yeah, it's just literally worse. I just like yeah, Galaxy Black is such a funny weapon, and this is a funny rule to be honest. If we're gonna if we're gonna slightly talk about it, um, <laughs> Galaxy Black died for the sins of chain at this point because Rosetta Thorn is just almost objectively more powerful than all the other Rune Blade weapons
1: course but you know uh say briar rotates out next hits living legend then rosetta thorn goes along with it so it is an interesting thing to see we'll see how that kind of unfolds uh following changes also in classic constructed effective from or last week Autumn touch is no longer suspended that was suspended until star of the show hit living legend and seeds of agony long no longer suspended uh once chain bound by shadow hit living legend so you can play young chain and class yep. constructed with seeds of agony so uh i thought about it but you start with 20 life good luck if anyone does well this weekend in a class constructed event with young chain please let us know yeah. i'd love to hear it <laughs> um to be
0: fair dude sasha said so sasha who tested us that's what he said to me he's like yeah i'm really looking at chain young chain i was like dude i know you didn't play back then but that deck was good but it wasn't that good <laughs> like you couldn't start with 20 life that's ridiculous
1: yeah it's a, it's a bit of a tough ask i think but maybe, maybe we'll see i did think about it i did brew up a, a list and had a look at it uh blitz uh, Crown of Seeds is suspended until the next band is suspended announcement which happens after Skirmish Season 5 on August 21st. I think the suspended announcement is actually August 30th after the Pro Tour. Um, but yeah, so obviously dominance uh, of Ultim in, in Blitz, uh, six players into the top eight at the Battle Hardened in Vegas. Uh, I think all of the teams or basically all the teams in the top four at all three of the team callings had an ultim on their team um, so just demonstrated just you know the performance so interesting ban uh, we're not really going to dive into it now Brendan but we can maybe mm-hmm. talk about it as we hit towards scrimmage season five and what that's going to mean other ban and spinner changes commoner ball lightning is banned belittles banned I think there's a good changes if you played any commoner Um and their next ban has been announcement is going to be August 30th, so at the conclusion of the Pro Tour. So unless there's any emergency yeah. changes between now and Pro Tour, Lil, we we have no changes. This is the this is the stage is set, as it were.
0: Mm. My uh, my trust meter is it's uh, it's wavering. We'll see. I hope that they maintain that. Yeah, because banning before the Pro Tour in the in the hopes of making a more interesting format. Not a fan. Obviously, we all know that I'm not a fan. Um. So yeah. Let's stick to that date.
1: We'll see. Like it's very early. I I don't even have a good handle on what this format could look like, let alone what it's going to look like. So, um, we've got a lot of time. You know, four weeks is a lot of time, even before we start to get some of these battle hardens. Uh, there's a road to national season between then and now let alone pt level all that all that way out so yeah it will be interesting on that note pt level registration is open uh you can go and see that and get that done if you have your invite make sure you go and register you still need to register for the pro tour and if you're heading to the calling make sure you go and do that as well we know what the prizes are we're going to get the double-sided cold foil barred weapon which is very cool the hummingbird and uh, also the map as was hugely speculated is going to be the eye of a to follow up from uh the fiendals um the heart of offender sorry Mm -hmm. from pt1 and then i just have a quick correction to last week's episode i did say that the singapore calling was sold out that was what i had been told apparently there is more tickets up and it is not sold out so you can still get into the singapore calling if you wish to do so and uh brendan any last shout outs or call outs
0: nope just want to do a final shout out to the arsenal pass patreon we've seen a lot of support over there the community is ever growing um and your support helps us do what what we do so thank you well Hayden I was in New York last week not a lot of Barbies over there not a lot of Barbies I think real estate is uh, is a bit prime so not too many people are able to participate in the command and cookout but alas I am in Texas you are in Australia and we this is the command and cookout section so Hayden take us in
1: wow I mean to be honest it's quite cold over here and it's the middle of winter so I don't know if it's quite barbecue with it but we'll get <laughs> we in anyway uh this week our question comes from tunestar on discord and the question is i recall a previous Commander cookout question about whether deckless or play strategies with a premier form of information to gain this is a question that, that came up a couple of weeks ago and i wanted to alter the question with some relevance to a new set launching do we arsenal pass prefer to brew decks focusing on card selection or play patterns first are we brewing to find out what cards work best first or what strategies work best first great question from uh tune star there before i let brendan answer that question if you do want to get your questions in you can email them to us at fab uh us on past fab at gmail.com tweet at us drop them in the youtube comments and uh we'll, we'll get those on brendan what are your thoughts on this idea of are, are you brewing a deck focusing on card selection or play patterns first what, what comes first the sort of trying to find interactions between cards or just pure strategy and and how a long game might play out
0: oh it's just so funny because i like I said, I was staying with Michael Fang and uh, the people that he plays with recently last, last week, and they, they look at the game from a very quantitative approach um, and evaluate each card, not necessarily individually, but much closer to individually than we do From and from a very fundamental basis. And that's how they build their decks. For us, and I feel pretty confident this is how it is at this, is how it is at this point, is that whether it was uh, Drone Ninja, Combo Kano, or the early chain deck, we started with a concept right and we built the deck around that concept so that really was so with chain in particular is this this hero is um unusually powerful with go again it does have an inherent fail system built into it which is running out of cards or fatiguing how do we break that it wasn't i didn't look at the card seeds of agony i was like this card is broken then i'm going to build that and then seeds of agony is x value which is maybe one over the average which i which is kind of what the sentiment i got from michael's team Mm. is they would look at cards like that i've found that throughout our history in flush and blood we've gone about it from a strategy perspective and then the cards have come secondary hayden would you agree
1: mostly yeah i I think that's a big part of how we look at at building is looking at my, my big view on the game of flesh and blood is that the the strategies in the decks that you can put together are so so often more than the sum of their parts in in quite a significant way especially and you can see that in certain certain lists that we've played for sure right um but in saying that i do also and particularly with this the last two sets i've looked at what are cards that i think stand out as really powerful effects that i want to try and exploit actually even back to tales of aria you know like these cards that really stand out to me these cards i have on my list of like potentially bannable cards because of the power level how can i exploit those and then i i think i'm more and more starting to work from that i don't i'm not i'm maybe not on the same level of what uh what you know michael and their team are doing on the east coast there where they're looking at individually valuing each card and looking at i guess above rate cards i'm more looking at like okay what is a potentially broken interaction or something that i can really exploit and then almost what we just talked about right brennan like this kind of idea of a strategy can i plug and play that in a strategy that might work so okay aether wildfire is a really strong card how can we exploit this while we can exploit it with a particular combo okay then how does that plug and play into a strategy um, but then also, maybe after evaluating some of these kind of ideas of interactions, you can try and push or exploit or build around. Then, yeah, as you say, I'm going back to a strategy, right? Which is like, what is? I guess it's one and the same, right? It's just almost approaching it from like two different ends of the spectrum and then mm. trying to like exactly. put them together, um, whereas opposed to you know valuing, I guess particular like, okay, we want this value strategy that revolves around uh, X, Y, Z, or actually we want this group of cards that have a certain power level. It's actually kind of a bit of both, I think. Actually, interestingly, so. Um, I will say with this 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 current set, I've really started with particular interactions, particular cards that I'm looking at, um, and not so much on strategies, but I think that'll kind of be something that I move towards in the next sort of coming weeks as I start to exhaust, I guess, ideas that I have of just pure pure A plus B equals whatever, and just move to ideas, more broader ideas of strategies. So I don't think any one is particularly more important than the other. I think everyone has different strategies for how they... Go about deck building and go about looking to <clears throat> brew in an early format. I think the most important thing is to have an idea, of whether that is a strategy or whether it's a, an interaction or exploitation of uh, a combination of cards. And then once you have that, then you need to flesh it out from there and be really discerning about how you actually build that deck out. So start to go through your fundamentals. Uh, your your resource base your early mid end game how you're actually going to win the game because even if you have an idea of like oh i can exploit this combo like frost hex is a great one right people are talking about like this frost hex thing where you can land three frost hexes and cycle through your deck but it's like okay how do you actually win the game is that enough damage or do you need to do other things besides that and it's really important to have more than just a seed of an idea you actually have to have a, a fully fleshed idea of how you're going to win a game and then move on to other things you know what does that mean it's a different matchup etc cetera, etc cetera, so yeah, I think to answer your question, TuneStar, so there's there's multiple different ways. I think you just have to start with the one that feels best for you, or sometimes you're just going to do a, a mix of the other. One set, it might be about interactions. The next set, it might be about a pure strategy idea.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting how different groups can approach it from such different angles. But at the same time, in order to build a fully complete and powerful Flesh and Blood deck, you do need to encompass all of the parts. <laughs> it just depends where you start, right? <laughs> So.
1: I, do, I do think, Brendan, that we, although we start with strategies and stuff, we actually, we're starting with specific cards. Like, mm. every, actually, if I think like about Aether it, every Wildfire. time we've started with, a, yeah, right, Aether Wildfire, Chains, Hero Ability, um, you know, Drone of Brutality. Like, thinking about specific cards, right, that are, that become important to these strategies. Um, carrying Husk, right? Like, how do I get the most out of a carrying Husk? So, I do think, although I think after week one, we just come to, an, we start to focus on some pure strategy of, a, of an idea, it does always start with like a card, you know, crown of seeds. Like, what's the best way of crown of seeds to be exploited, et etc. So, yeah, interesting uh, concept, and I think it's going to be continually changing, and, and it's going to be very dynamic depending on the play groups you talk to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Anyway, Brandon, let's go to the let's go to the main topic. So, what are we what are we talking about this week?
0: Well, we're going to review a little bit of everything, but uh, before we get into sort of reevaluating some of our limited reviews, where we we're right, where we we're wrong. A uh, lot of where we're wrong. <laughs> uh, let's talk about draft, Hayden. Let's, you know, through your drafting experience, I, like we talked about at the top of the pot, I haven't drafted as much as I would like to, but at the same time, I've done a lot of draft review, like recorded draft review in our internal testing, and I feel pretty confident with the format. I just want, I want to get your thoughts and I want to hear you break down um, sort of the heroes in draft. Uh, specifically like what are some of the dangers or you know bene- benefits and dangers of drafting each? What are the pitfalls? How do you rate them? Uh, is there anything that is maybe underpowered or overpowered? Just high level, hit me with the three heroes.
1: let just high level give you everything about draft, please, in a nutshell. No, I, I think it is good to start with some high level and we're, we're going to definitely dive further into this as we get into the limited season. We get more drafts under our belt. We're going to do a big, um, I'm going to do the, uprising draft videos. I'm going to try and get Brennan with me on those and, and we're going to dive into like archetypes and, and mechanics and kind of the important things. But from a top level, Brennan, yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting format with the with the three heroes and the draconic versus ice talent. Um, I think when you talk about just purely heroes in this format, if you talk about strengths and weaknesses from a top level, this limited format, it it does almost feel like when you look at it at a base level, there's like this almost like rock, paper, scissors, right? Where it's like, okay, Icelander like really taxes Fi and, and makes Fi weak fire you know really uh punishes dragons and aether ashwings because of the go wide attacks and then you know jeremiah naturally has these this arcane barrier built in uh and can and can pressure icelander so there's like this that's kind of like i think like level zero of it um, but even within that, right? I think if I talk about just quickly each of the heroes for like Icelander for me, I think what's really important is uh, the, yeah the blues are like important, they're less a lot less important than I thought. I think the red damage spells are like super important. Yellows are just really not where you want to be ever with with Icelander. You really want, unless they're cards like Aether Ice Fane, which is really powerful in of themselves. Those are the yellows you really want to try and avoid. my um, for me, I think you know those those ways to make and use ash and have reds to turn on go again are just so premium um so red rake the embers red uh billowing and red sweeping i think are just like super important to any sort of or almost any sort of drama deck that you might be able to put together um and then you know the, the weaknesses there is that if you're at a table that to be honest has even two sometimes but it's definitely three my drafters those cards are hard to come by and i think that class is very often overdrafted because i can I actually think it probably supports possibly the least players between that and icelander uh, and then for me, fire. I guess like strengths and weaknesses. I think the the strength of that is that you can get into to fire really early, and also because you get to you know you can play two, three imba, um, sorry phoenix flames, <clears throat> that you you really don't you don't get punished for maybe being at an overdraft, slightly overdraft to fire, uh, and the weapon is like your bigger strength. I think it's really hard to to punish fire be, in terms of like pure damage in the deck because of the um because of the weapon and also just makes kinda of average fire decks just better because you have this weapon to lean on so you can turn your blues into to good sequences of attacks. Uh especially if you pick up the ones at defend three. And then I guess maybe like weakness wise for fire. I, I do think for fire, you know, if you don't pick up these these chain starters, it can really, really hurt you and those need to be priority. So if you get into fire late, you know you can often be cut off from some of those and it, you can end up with a pretty poor deck. So yeah, the, the format in terms of heroes is really interesting. I hope that's kind of an overview from my side, at least, Brendan.
0: Yeah. So I'm just going to zoom out and go a little bit more macro because you, you definitely went into
1: detail there. I think over- I was trying not to, but you, you kind of led me into it. <laughs>
0: of course, of course, of course. I think overall the, the format feels pretty narrow to me. Uh, we are leaning towards the idea that you have to be in your hero pretty early, before pick seven so before the wheel and before you get reliable information of like what people are playing um i'm kind of taking this from another another podcast Tag for 20 podcast but i think by pick four i think by pick four you really want to be settled in if not closely around there do you the question you need to ask yourself in this format is do you more often get rewarded or punished for staying open I find myself getting punished more often. Staying open, that means picking generics, potentially picking cards that aren't as powerful as others. Maybe you pick a blue sift because you get a nice blue base with a block three, rather than a blazing a blazing hedgehog or blaze headlong, as some people like to call. I find myself getting punished much more often. Um, so that begs the question is like if you are going to commit early, where should you commit? I find in Icelander, the spread between good decks and bad decks is large. <laughs> you either have the good one or you have the bad one. I also think the Spellfray Cloak is an absolutely necessary pick unless you want to go 2-1, which maybe that's your goal. But if you want to go 3-0 and you don't have spellfrey Cloak and there's another Icelander drafter, you should probably lose. Spellfray Spellfire. Spellfire, <laughs> yeah. Spellfray, could you imagine? <laughs> um, after that, Jermai, I agree with you. Jermai is also pretty narrow. There's, uh, there's two decks theoretically but I, I think they're the same deck right it's like do you have the dragon deck or the centipede deck and i think that dragons are great and i would like a few of them but i want centipies. i want like five centipides if i can embermaw centipide two for seven you know two for eight at red very very good card uh actually really powerful at fatiguing the opponent too if you're in, into that sort of thing uh but i, I find that if you have a bad my deck it is borderline non-functional man it's rough And lastly, Phi. Phi, I think that the draft supports the most number of Phi drafters. Um, I think the Draconic cards are particularly better in (laughs) Phi than in Jermai on average. And uh, like you can kind of, I don't know, you kind of hedge a little bit by going with the Draconic picks early and end up in Phi. Maybe you go over Jermai if you get some really good stuff like Necrea, things like that. Um, But I do find that, yeah, if if you're committing to Phi early, it seems like you you can get a functional deck most of the time can you get a three o deck i think that's that's the biggest question we have over all of this is like what is the path to having the most three o's because two one is one thing but finding a strategy that uh goes undefeated is pretty tough um but i've found that yeah i my main takeaways is i want to be want to be picking my class early and um there are some particular cards that i feel like are a- almost absolutely necessary if you want to be competitive and some heroes
1: yeah i think i think you're right i think um just my kind of last comment on just overall draft and again we're going to get further and deeper into draft strategy as you go forward is about you talked about i guess committing early and i i agree with you to an extent i think there's a strategy that is potentially gonna be viable in this format where it's you basically you don't you don't necessarily staying purely open you know you're not going like oh i'm looking for these generics i'm looking for this it's just this philosophy of like I just take the best cards. I take equipment and I take the best cards for the first four or five picks and then I see if there's a signal in these packs. And that's where pack distribution and knowing pack distribution really comes in important I think in the set and I think pack distribution is a lot easier to understand in the set than it has been in previous sets. Um so if if you're not aware I think it's important that you sort of understand pack distribution and keep it at the top of your mind. Um, but basically, the pack distribution, let me rattle this off the top of my head, is uh, you have three generic or ice or draconic at the mm-hmm. front of the pack. Those will always be, um, usually, uh, I think you can have two and one. So you, or any, sorry, any combination of the draconic, ice and generic, but no more than two of those. You never have three of one of them. Uh, and then you have your your equipment, your foil and your two rears. And then you have two of each of the uh, the classes. So two wizard or... Uh, ice wizard or elemental wizard and then two uh draconic sorry two uh, two drami two uh fire and then you have this one like floating spot yeah Yeah, which is it could be any of the three uh classes at common um, which does make it hard because if you know you get past a pack of 14 cards and it has two of each then you don't know what the person could have taken but as you get further down the line it knows so yeah that's the distribution i think it's important to remember and it does give you this idea where i think that you can be pretty i wouldn't say open but you can take kind of the best cards early and i do think you can understand what people have taken before you and that starts to decide where you should go and then you can be in this kind of idea of like maybe i have like two maybe i have a piece of uh quelling equipment which is, is does actually keep me open is really strong and then i've taken like these two really strong icelander cards i've hedged a dromai card because i got past a, a Necrea. oh is this a signal oh no actually it all dries up or actually yeah it does flow from now and I, i'm just switching to dromai like i do think you can be somewhat open but not for very long i agree with you brendan like i think by the time you get to the wheel you probably have to have read signals and and understand what you're probably going to get back on the wheel and actually uh remembering some of the cards in your opening pack is really important for that
0: yes one anecdote about the first three cards which is most likely correct but does have the possibility being incorrect is that uh sample size of a few hundred packs is that um you always have one pure generic you'll never have like three draconic um or two draconic one eyes, it seems to be always one pure generic in there.
1: Uh, I think I've had a pack that didn't. I'm pretty sure sure I have a photo of it. I think I had two two draconic one eyes. (laughs) Show me
0: that photo then, because we were cracking packs to see if that was fact. But we'll see. We'll reevaluate it. Um, Definitely get to open more.
1: But you can't have three of one, so that's really important to know. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems like more often than not, it's too generic. But Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, small sample size. All right, Hayden. So we're
0: gonna head into sort of reevaluating some of our picks and oh, early fuck. thoughts. Um, yeah, early thoughts about uprising in our uprising limiter review before we had, for the most part, touched the cards. We're lucky because we got to play world premieres, but you know, still we're pretty off. First, I want to start with Hayden.
1: Hey, pretty off. We were we were somewhat off on some of them, and you know, I think for a lot of them our thoughts kind of resonate yeah. the format is a bit different than maybe we thought it was going to be that's that's the main thing
0: actually i was talking about this earlier Is i think i was i am more congruent with my picks from the limited review in this set uh, a couple of weeks after than i was in tales of aria i felt like i was more oh online.
1: me too yeah i was yeah. so wrong about Tales. <laughs> same
0: was <laughs> super off okay so starting it off equipment um hey i just got like many points here so i'm just gonna rattle them off so quelling slippers by far the best uh sort of quelling equipment and it's not close, not kind of classic. Yeah, why? Up, but you know. Why
1: is that? Just just give it give a reason why that is. I agree with you, but why is that? So
0: it's because of what it competes with. It doesn't compete with anything particularly good. So you have the stilettos competing with that, and the tide tide slippers, tide flippers. Tide um, flippers. But outside of that, not nothing, right? So it's it doesn't compete with too much, and because of that, it's a very very safe early pick. It's pretty much always useful. The one note is that versus Icelander, I do want the Arcane Barrier. So if I have the if I have the Quelling Slippers, I might still draft the Tide Flippers or something like that. But I think that that's a good situation to be in, is to have the option between you know an Arcane Barrier equipment that has some text on it, or to have the Quell.
1: Yep. I, I think we nailed it, though. We said Quelling Robe is the weakest because it competes against two of the best equipments in the set in the terms of the Spellfire and the uh, Sash. And then sleeves, actually, you know, like the Heat Wave and the um, the Silken Form have just been even better than I thought. So uh, I, I agree with you. Like the, the, the boots, just having less competition means default. It's just the best piece of generic. So
0: kind of riffing off of that, how important do you think it is to get your class equipment with Arcane Barrier in the set? do you think it's imperative to winning matches against icelander or no
1: um i think it depends to be honest i i think in the mirror so if you're icelander i think the the arcane barrier is like super important to have because you you have these floating resources you're kind of playing like a chipping game um it depends on your deck right like if you have this quite aggressive deck and maybe you have some other cards that are just good against defending you know strong attacks rather than trying to just play a longer game where you're preventing arcane damage so i think about cards like Oasis Respite or even um, Sand Form. Is that what it's called? I'm so bad with card names. Sand yeah. I feel like I've, yeah, I've, taken up, I've taken up your mantle of, of not being good on the names for the set. What is this
0: mantle? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think if you have those, then you can maybe get away with less uh, um, Arcane Barrier. And Arcane Barrier gets better the more quell you have, right? Because you can mm. potentially start to use those in, in good ways on a turn uh, if you need to. Like, you know, I Arcane Barrier Plus. I uh, use my Silicon Form and then I turn... Uh, an ash into an eighth wing. so i don't know for me so far it's definitely been important but i don't think outside of for icelander itself it has been like um unwinnable if you don't have yes. it.
0: so i agree in the mirror it seems necessary um on the other side i mean if i in particular i'm usually not pitching for arcane bear unless there's some nasty on hit trigger or it's a i don't know turn zero or something um jermaine's probably follows a similar vein so it, it feels important in the icelander mirror almost critical <laughs> like you Borderline, you can't win without it. Outside of that, not too, not too crazy. All right, Hayden, do you think uh, so? Our six power generics actually pick one, pack one, pick one material. So things like Brother in Arms. I know Flex is a bit of an outlier because it's so good. Findal, I know it has the other text, but I really want to talk about Brother in Arms, which sort of falls into uh, the category of just being like strictly most of the most of the time it's just a popper. It does, it can pop for four with your extra block for four with your extra resource. But do you find these cards to be very, very high value? Are you going to be wanting picking them early, or are you going to be taking the red I- aether eyes in the pack instead?
1: I still don't know. I-, I do think they are important because I do actually think they're just strong cards in general. Like I'm a big fan of brothers and arms for you know the fact that with a piece of quell, I pay you know two cards for six uh, on defense uh, and spread like that. That's still good. That's still where I want to be. So I do think that card is just good. And then it's just a two for six even on offense, which is is often still strong um Fiendale's, like fighting spirit for instance is just a good card you mm. know the yellow and red are both just good cards they're always upside so um i mean i think that card in particular i think i had it like a, a c plus b minus i think that card is like a b like Fiendel's fighting spirit in almost all the colors but particularly yellow and red are like i i do think for all the upside they have is super high value um are they first picks yeah they're first picks but would i maybe take like a very strong you said you know like a red aether ice vein um or maybe a necrea i would probably take those over it because also i think passing those cards is like a massive signal uh and i want to probably just take those and just cut cut off that signal depending on what i'm going to wheel in the pack but yeah the cards are good the, the six powers are good but it's not necessarily just because they're six power poppers it's because they have other effects like what well, there's not there's not other ones right like those are the two main ones here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah
0: so how do you value three defense generics i found myself uh valuing three defense blues uh in every deck. So things like sift, uh, and generic very highly. Like in my fi decks, like I actively want blue sift. <laughs> a blue that blocks for three and also fuels my turns. By the way, I'm looking for eight to nine blues in my fi deck just as a little little side note there. But Hayden, the question over to you. Where do you value those three defense blues? Those kind of utility cards for resources.
1: Yeah. They're good. I want the if I'm in fire, I want this you know I want the lava and loyalties. I want mm-hmm. the cinder I want that I want those, right? But critical strike, I think, is a very undervalued card still yes. uh, at all colors uh, because of its its versatility of, you know, either pitch, attack, defend. I think that card is is really strong. Yeah, I, I do want three defense generics. I think I think they're good. Um, I think I'm more looking for powerful cards, but those are sort of mid packs where you know if there's nothing for me that is actually gonna help advance my game plan, then those are like really high priority for me over something that's just gonna be pure like filler in a red or something or in a yellow. Um, maybe like, even in um even in Iceland,er like over like an ice yellow, I would often take like a a blue, uh the defense three that's going to do something in my deck, um whether it be something like a a strategic plan ah uh, not strategic, plan, a Sift or whatever it is.
0: Mm. So we disagreed on Scar for a Scar, uh you being no- no- notably lower than me. What are your current thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit lower than you. I think I said I'd give it like a C plus, right? Uh, I haven't really moved much to be honest. I, I still think it's kind of it's fine. I think it's it's a good solid card and maybe I'd give yeah maybe it's a maybe it's a B master red, but yeah it hasn't impressed me as much as maybe I was ready to be wrong about mm-hmm. it. I think it, it has a job and it does a it has a role and it does a job, but I'm yeah, I'm not I actually not early picking it because like we talked about before, staying open and things like this isn't really something I want to do. I want to like pick powerful cards and I think often in pack one pick one situations there's more powerful cards in the pack i i would you know i would definitely take a scar for a scar early. i still think it's a good card and red but um it's not how i sort of saw it in welcome to race and the the need for go again especially in like fire um, yeah that, that card is a lot of value to me interesting yeah so
0: i do find that You're still high on it <laughs> um not as high. well i was high but i, I wasn't as high as some people which i'm going to get to so I, I still think i would pack one pick one it because i do want to play it in every deck even icelander um the reason I bring it now is I know Tyler, Tyler wrote an article, I think he was saying it was, it, it was the best card in the set, and I, I don't think it is. And I think that it was a bit better, maybe in Welcome to Wraith. Uh, it was a card you actively really, really wanted. Um, in this set, I do want it, but I don't, I don't feel lacking when I, when I don't have it, right? Which is, I don't know. It, it's starkly different. I think it's a good card, but not fantastic, uh, pretty much to yeah. sum it up i
1: just want the power over it like you know if there's a red eye ate the ice Fane in the pack or a nick or these other cards like i'm even to be honest even calling slippers like i'm taking the calling slippers
0: mm-hmm. all right so this is me circling back to one of my highly rated cards and that is uh trade-in is not very good um and it's particularly definitely not a b plus and five uh you know we just we just got to take those losses every 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 now and on then. your sword Yep, follow my sword on that one. Um, Hayden, I'm assuming you agree with that.
1: Well, I, what did I give it? I'm just looking at my grade here. D, D plus, maybe C minus. Yeah, no, my, my opinion hasn't changed. I, I think the red is, because of how tight playables are in this format with 14 card packs effectively with the two tokens out, that the, the red has a place in, in Jermai actually more than I maybe thought it does. But it's still awkward as heck, and I, I don't want it. But if I have to have it, I'll play it, I guess. So it'd probably a C minus or red D plus for the rest.
0: So Oasis Respite is it as busted as we thought?
1: Yeah, the card's really good. <laughs> the card is basically all the things we said about it. If you haven't listened to the review, we gave it like a B B plus, and um, we said you know it gets better with Quell. It's very strong and basically all the all the decks, and um, you know particularly busts up some things that Icelander wants to do. Really good when people play like you know a, a blue flame wave, and you can pitch that plus Quell or something. Like yeah, the card's so good. Very good.
0: Um, yeah, because I do find myself quelling um, even in aggressive matches like the, the Phi Mirror. I find myself, if I do draw the double blue, I use my Heat Wave to block, uh, to block three. That's just great value out of Heat Wave. And if at the same time you can potentially put an Oasis or Spite on there, gain a life and block for four on a critical attack, super, super good. All right, Hayden, it's time to pay the piper on this one. Is Red Hot still top tier for you? And is it above Lava Burst?
1: it's not above lava burst no i i had i had i was pretty low on lava burst as uh as brendan won't let me forget um that card is very very good it's a first pick card it's the sort of card i want on the end of my chains and fire. um i'm still like not i'm still kind of down on it in jeremiah in some ways um i to be fair i think red hot is a pretty reasonable card but i think it's like it's not it's not a first pick card um it is the two cost is is really punishing um but i do still like Indramay, Still blocks three. Um, but I think the one costs, uh, often, often better. So, or zero cost even with Lava Burst. So yeah, yeah, I'm down on that card. <laughs>
0: Blaze Headlong, is it the best non-class specific common in the set, not counting equipment?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Non-class specific card, not, in count, not counting equipment. Uh, probably for what it does. I mean, yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's definitely better than Scar for a Scar. Um, but is it... I don't know. Uh, Fyndale's Fighting Spirit is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oasis Respite. I think those two may be better. Mm, yeah, it's close, though. I think it's top three. The card is really strong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just remember from the Team Unified Seal Tournament sitting across my opponent in top eight, or I think it was top, it was top eight or top four, whatever it was, and then seeing their deck list and seeing that they had two blaze, Blazing Hedgehogs, I was like, oh. Uh, that was where the groan okay. came from. It wasn't the Oasis Respite or the or Fiendle. It was like, oh, two Blazing okay um so so speaking of red hot inflame, flame flame call away and flame call waking how do you feel about these cards in general i'm um, sorry red hot is this is the one that uh not red hot this is burn away i meant to write here so burn, burn away, away burn away in flame, flame call waking how do you feel about these cards and how many phoenix flames are you playing in your five deck
1: um, I mean, I think I was already down on Burnaway. I think I gave it a C. It's probably still the same. I think the card is fine. It's an extender, it's blocks three, it's red, so it's useful in a lot of decks. It's, mm-hmm. it's I think it's a C. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still a C. I, I had Flame Call Awakening at B minus. I think it might be more like a C plus. Um that that card is underwhelmed for me so far, which I'm kinda of disappointed about. Because I thought that card was gonna be really good. In Flame I had it a C minus. I might even that's probably a D, to be honest. That card is uh, not good, I think. Yeah. Um how many Phoenix points am I playing? Uh two to three mostly three and 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 five of course for yes. me i know you're down on it a bit yes
0: we this is a point we're not getting we're in,
1: into this conversation we
0: won't right but i'll just say my i'll just say what i do just for posterity um yeah, so please. hayden and i do disagree significantly on this i play one phoenix flame to two and i will only play two if i have supporting cards like flame call awakening i'm playing one and my cards are blocking so um we under we sort of underrated necria and overrated uvia uh with in my opinion yendurai being the second best dragon how do you feel about necria do you still think that uvia is the grind machine that we sort of maybe thought it was
1: i think it is in sealed. sealed. Uh, uvia was like uvia was like really good in sealed uh necria is the best i think mm-hmm. um i think kyloria and Chromi and Azralai are probably the next i i really still highly rate the zero cost because of what they allow you to do to keep a one card hand uh with pressure flip flip an ash and then come in with that plus multiple attacks as is really good in the mirror um yeah i think yun is just solid i i don't to be honest you, i'm not i'm not first picking that card like necria and kyloria and maybe even chroma probably not chroma i would i would actually first pick though so um yeah my, my ovia is definitely dropped right down but i i think even like i kind of like ovia over like team i just in the dark like it has mm. six health like that is it is gonna probably buy two cards from your opponent in some way shape or form like that is you know that is still reasonable
0: yeah obviously that class construction impact of this would be pretty bad but if uvius just said make an ash instead of make an ash wing it would be infinitely better oh, <laughs> infinitely of course
1: better. <laughs> um but necrea is like i think as necrea is like Almost significantly above Different classes, caloria, uh, yeah. Chromai, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously TMI goes up. It's such a great piece into Icelander. It's so friggin' difficult to deal with, but yeah.
0: So, uh the, They are as gas as we thought they were. Uh, so, the sort of heuristic I have, from, I have from this, and this could also be statistically incorrect, but is that a draft will have, on average, six or less poppers. Um, I found in my Dromai decks that Rarely have I been punished for playing centipies. And at the same time, if I'm punished once, I do quickly remake that value by playing more two for eights <laughs> and things of that nature. So Hayden, do you agree that centipies are quite good?
1: Yeah, they are. I, I think I'm I'm above where I was originally. I think I was like a C on Dunebreaker and I was a B, uh, sorry, a C plus, B minus on Embermore. I, I'm probably like a still around that on Embermore. And... Like a, a C plus B minus, and then probably like a C plus on on Doombreaker. They are really good. Like, don't get me wrong. I think I'm really careful about my how I give my grades because a lot of these cards I would be careful to take to take early. But in in Dramai, they do a lot of work. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the meta evolves, the draft meta, and how important you know like six attacks become because of you know how much better these cards are and and decks trying to cultivate them. Uh, you know, even having one six attack popper can buy a lot of tempo into something like a Doombreaker or even where well, your opponent tries to just play a two-card end into you with a red Embermore. If you can just trade one card for their their turn, that's that's pretty good. So um, I think those go up in value, like you were talking about before.
0: So I had Sweeping Blow as good filler, uh, but I think it's actually a standout below, uh, right below Rake the Embers. Uh, creating, yeah, at Red, right? Yep, at Red. I think creating yep. an Ash, uh, having like create Ash on your card is like, super important. And speaking of Rake the Embers, especially the red one, it is Gas. I think it's actually a huge signal that people are not in Jeremiah if you're getting that late.
1: Yeah, 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 I had it at B at red. I think probably still has. Might even be a B plus to be honest. I think it's just the, the reason for that, Grace I think it's so crucial to what you're trying to do. But I actually think like the, the sweeping blow is is like mm-hmm. only slightly below that. I think that actually, you know, if you don't have Rake the Embers in your deck, like having sweeping blows and a couple of billowing can, you know, make up for that. It does, you know, it presents a threat, creates another threat and, and does a job for you.
0: Do you have sort of a final thoughts on sand cover? Do you think that this is purely a sideboard card or can you just slot the red one into your, your my deck. Assuming you, have playables, I, uh, assuming you have playables.
1: I think you can slot one in. I think the card costs a lot. Like yes. a, an Ash token is, like I think the way that Ash is kind of valued, I guess like the, from a design perspective, the way it's valued is it's kind of, it's harder to make than the value of the Ash. So I think your Ash has even higher value. And so trading, you know, your your sand cover plus your ash token is actually can be really big. It really depends on your deck. If you have surplus ways of making ash, uh, then you know, like I think the sand covers become a lot more viable to just main deck. But I think what you have to do is you need to really weigh up like how much ash your deck is making, how you're going to use your ash, and then what does it mean to have just a, a random sand cover in your deck because uh, it can cost you. But obviously the cards are really strong against Icelander. So I think I had it as like a C plus versus Icelander and a C minus otherwise. I think I might bump it up to the first one being a C in red. Mm-hmm. Alright, so what are your thoughts? On, sand cover, your on sand cover.
0: On sand cover is the I don't think it's I don't think it's sync below, like some people are saying, like, oh it's sync below. No, it's like, definitely not. That is not sync below. <laughs> I I've, haven't heard that though. <laughs> that being that being potentially a card that actually does nothing in your deck because you don't have the ash is pretty bad. Um I find myself only playing it as a sidebar card unless um I'm lacking playable, <laughs> to be honest. All right. So engulfing flame wave. Engulfing Flame Wave, sorry. Is it as good as we thought it was? Uh I'll start here. I would say no. I do think that it's an incredibly good card. I think the hit trigger is fantastic, but that two cost is a tough sell in uh in Phi. And I think that you're going to want Sash of Sandekai, even if you're playing one, maybe. Um if you're I think the max you can play is probably two, maybe three if you have the Sandikai, but you're not just picking up a bunch of engulfing flame waves, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: hayden yeah i mean it's a rare so i think that's hard i think the first the first red one is still a b plus for me and even the yellow is still mm. like the first one's a b but i do agree they they get worse in multiples seeing multiple in your hand sucks because you really just cannot pay for them i think sash obviously makes them even better uh it makes it more effective you mean it allows you to go like you know zero cost the weapon into an engulfing flame potentially right or like you know another way around sorry like still be able to use your weapon and then get back a um a phoenix flame, et yeah two cost is is definitely relevant but also that effect is really powerful so uh i do i'm still high on it but yeah i'm maybe a little bit less high on it than i was and i think in multiples like you say is it can be a bit of a trap you gotta be careful and i think the the blue just isn't isn't good to be honest i think i would yeah be careful that two block it blue
0: so what what's higher priority zero cost go against like rising resentment or one cost go against like soaring strike
1: oh zero cost because of the zero. weapon It's yes. zero cost for me yeah i yeah, find
0: yeah. often that your combat chains go attack action swing the sword pay one for five and then continue down the line um the sort of this leg tap effect where you do the one for four you, if you're starting your combat chain with it the effect is i think almost always irrelevant right um i find myself okay. lacking the resources the it gives your it gives a card oh soaring you're yeah, talking about soaring yeah, soaring. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, again. sure. Um,
1: but I think the the one costs have like a, a like they're still damage, and they have a good place and mm. often you need them you don't you don't have enough zero cost yes, to start a chain yes, and yes. lava and loyalty is like super high priority for me, but that's not good as a chain starter. So I think it's kind of like a bit of a mix. But like if I'm sat there, you know, like early picks, I I the you know the Cinderclaw or the Ronin is like higher priority than the um the Dust Runner or the Soaring. Yes.
0: So yeah, the question is not uh like which like, what is playable and what is not, because I still think the Soaring Strikes are it's fantastic. Priority. It's priority. and I think that the zero yep. costs are above that. Get, uh, kind of riffing off that, Lava Vein Loyalty is a great card, and the three defense is a super premium. That card overperformed. I want it in blue. I want it in red. Um, Yellow. S- yep. It's, uh, that's sort of a standout. Uh, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it with Lava Vein Loyalty. I expected it to be a good... I mean, honestly, I expected it to be okay, but it seems very, very good. Um, actively want... A lot of them in my in my five decks
1: the cool thing about this format is defending is important and yes. it's relevant and that's really cool i really like that and i like the cards like this like i had it as c and i already thought that defending was going to be somewhat relevant it's more relevant than i thought I, I think this card is like c plus and then like maybe even a b minus at red like i think this card is important and does a really good job for you
0: mm-hmm. all right we, oh man, I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. sigil Can I ask you one card first? No, no, Can I ask no, you no, no, no. One no, card first. No, no, no. no, 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 no. no I to no, ask you one no, card no, no. first. I'm here. I'm here. I've arrived. I've been waiting.
1: Hating. Just let me. It's a fire card. Okay, it's a fire, fine, fire fine, card. Fine. Rise from the ashes. What do you actually think of Rise from the ashes? How good is this card?
0: Rise from the ashes.
1: Remind me what it does. The next dracon so zero cost, non-attack action to defense two. The next ninja or draconic attack action card you play this turn gets a plus three attack, and you may return a Phoenix Flame from your graveyard to your hand. Not as good as I thought it was. We hit uh, it a C plus, maybe B minus.
0: Yeah, but I I don't know. Um, I didn't love it when I played it, even in my even in my sort of sealed deck from the twelve packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm actually down on that card. I didn't even think about that. I'm down. I'm down on it for sure. Not okay. not too I far. Actually, I think it's playable, but.
1: I yeah, I actually like the blue more than I thought. I thought like the red was kind of like the good one, but I actually think the blue might be the good. One. All right, it's my time. It's my time, Hayden. All right, Digital Digital, Digital I was wrong, All right.
0: Pay the troll toll. Pay the troll toll. Sigil Pernifrost sucks. Uh, the red one is, like, is playable. Uh, to it's an ex- playable. Yeah, it's playable to an extent, but this, the situation where you fuse this and get its effect is definitely a double rainbow, and not not what you... If it happens, it happens, but it's, I don't think that's why you're putting it in your deck. You're putting it in a deck as a one like, for four you can quell with.
1: Exactly. One for, yeah, the card has... I think the card still has big upside, right? But it's so hard to pull off. And that that's the thing that I got wrong, right? I thought it'd be a lot easier to pull off the sigil permafrost, sort of like four card hands than I thought it would be. But actually the priority for your cards that you want to put in Arsenal it's not you're not trying to put blues in Arsenal. Like that's not actually necessarily a priority. You know, sometimes you are, but often you're being like that's on turns where you play like um the one that gives you three frost bites and I put this like just a good blue solid card in there and get some damage and the next turn I just push some damage or whatever. But sometimes you're just putting like a red card that deals damage or you know like a, a a red frosting or something that you just revealed uh that you're gonna play next turn off of a one card hand or a two card hand like those are the sort of things you're doing so Sigil permafrost is like a little bit awkward but i i do think when you have quail equipment the red is like minimum two cards for six with the quail, which is is fine even though it's giving up a quail. and then it has the upside potential that when you can pull so i have pulled off a, a red Sigil permafrost a couple of times and it is good when you pull it off but it's um it's not easy because the blues are at a premium and it can get a little bit awkward with what blues you actually want to arsenal
0: yes if pigs could fly um so this one is going to be not much of a surprise. oh so I
1: give it like a, I give it like a C like a, like I think it's like the red is like a, C, is a C C minus yeah. and the the yellow and blue are like Ds yeah they' get in the D range
0: uh, this yeah. is not going to be a surprise but Aether, Aether Ice fane is as busted as we thought I think you want that in every color it's a great card um that disruptive effect forcing your opponent to interact very powerful and the red is a three for five
1: what what uh what grade did you give this
0: oh i was definitely not down this this is the one i might have given an a no
1: i get Yeah, i gave an a to it so i was curious what you did
0: oh yeah i was so up on this card i actually couldn't
1: remember in all honesty (laughs) all
0: right so all right what next Brain freeze, specifically blue. I find myself actively swapping out blue zero cost cards for one, two, three cost blues in uh, in order to avoid that effect. Uh, I think you should only prepare to dodge the blue and try not to and not do it at the cost of making your deck significantly worse. But when I'm playing Fi, I will go in. I will take out like my zero cost blues and just you know put in ones that are block twos and things like that. Um, seems effective. And blue brain freeze. It's I don't know. It's playable. Oh
1: yeah I, I think it's like i think it's like a, a, i think i said c minus d for between on the cycle i i think the blue is like a c i think it's like playable filler i think it and it has a rock mm-hmm. next up is uh
0: aether hail and frostling
1: yes good. frosting yes frosting frost frosting
0: uh i don't know why yeah. i thought there was an l in there probably because i don't know it's so good so they they fuse they fuse your cards right they um they are ice cards and they will help you pull off some of those abilities, whether it's through Aether Ice Fane, or it is you finally your sigil permafrost blowing out your opponent. Um, but outside of that, they're just very effective. I really like these in blue. Aether Hail in red is pretty decent as well. But I love frosting in blue. Um and I love having a high ice count too, Hayden. I'm assuming I, I, you're congruent.
1: I'm further down the line. I think frosting in Red is the best actually, and I think blue is is mm. perfectly uh, perfectly good. Obviously it flips for zero to deal the damage, turn on your staff and um give them a frostbite. I think obviously very good. I think the hail in red, yellow, blue is good. I think it's the best of the, the ice to be honest. You get to go, okay, reveal, uh stick it in arsenal, even if it's a red next turn. I'm flipping it, and I'm also dealing you six damage off two cards. Perfect with my you know, with my um my staff, that's where I want to be. If it's blue. I'm dealing five damage plus giving you a frostbite on your turn. I think blue is super high priority. I think yellow is just is just fine damage. I don't think it's the card I want to play the least of them, obviously. But I think all colors. I think the yellow uh, Aether Hail, for instance, is like, to be honest, I would play that over yellow uh, Frostbolt or even red Frostbolt. Icebolt, sorry. It's called Icebolt in a heartbeat. I don't like those cards very much. Interesting.
0: Um, so this is obviously a balance on the next on this next question, but is big red big red wizard attacks or cheap blues for your arsenal? If it is a balance, give me the numbers. Kind of break it down for me.
1: Uh, it is kind of a balance, but I actually think it's more about which cards are good. So like Aether ice vein obviously is pretty nutty. Uh, Polar cap is fine, but it's not. It's nothing fantastic. Um, I'm not really that high on that card. It's it's about the cost structure, I think. And succumb to winter, I think, is just not a good card. It's about the it's about the cross structure because I think, like I was saying before, like red ice ball, I don't think is actually a very good card because you play it on your turn, pitch your blue, play it, and then you have one resource left over. You're not able to see if it's a red aether hail, for instance, right? Then I can use my staff as well, present six damage. Uh, I think the yellow is really bad. So yeah, I honestly think it's a balance. You do need some red that can push damage. Like you need some of these aether, um, aether ice veins. You need something like a polar cap. You need some Aether hails. Um, you need some you know red frosting i think is a good card for the reason i said before you know just arsenal it played off one card hand um or play it off a two card hand a pitcher yellow for the staff or something so um i think probably what i'm looking for is like somewhere in like the near of like seven to eight good red damage spells and i want like half even up to ten potentially and i want like half of those to be ice to be able to like you know obviously fuse and utilize well um but i want them to be aether hails ideally mm-hmm. or frosting
0: so moving on to cold snap i find that in blue i think it's great and i think that the red and yellow are like unplayable
1: close to yeah i think i agree with you i think they're um yeah i think they're kind of whatever i i think they're playable but um there's a there's another ice card that i think is far and away so much better than this card
0: yes <laughs> there's probably a few to be honest well okay.
1: arctic incarceration i don't know if it's on your list but The the red I think is I think to be honest I think all of them are are really good but the blue and the and the red is phenomenal the red can just take a whole you know opponent's turn yes anecdote
0: on that is don't arctic incarceration your opponent a red arctic on your turn (laughs) on turn zero because they will just helions it or something silly yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. I mean had someone do that to me and they were like they were like uh, you have three frostbites I was like uh popped helions what
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it's whatever like what uh, if you're doing nothing anyway and if they have an all red hand it might be relevant because they can't pay for heliots
0: (laughs) yeah so we already talked about this but i think spellfire cloak feels extremely necessary in icelander and i think that without it you might get close to just auto losing the mirror i think debatably you shouldn't debatably really debatably here you shouldn't play icelander without it like uh if these are if these are wheeling around the table i think it's a huge signal like
1: massive signal yes i agree sometimes you're gonna have to play without it and yes, it's you gonna be tough to but i it. i gave it an a and i'm sticking with that i think the, the card is so good and it's so crucial to icelander mm-hmm. and hayden you
0: spoke to us a little bit but closing kind of closing it out red zero for threes in icelander frosting kind of but also i want to get your thoughts on aether dart red
1: yeah aether dart's uh yeah it's fine what i like is the play pattern of because you can't fill your deck with all blues and like all reds you will have some yellows um and you will have some blues that you know don't you know they block twos that maybe don't work the way you want them to so having something like an aether dart and then pitching a card to deal five damage off two cards is not the end of the world and it can help you um i think i want less of these cards i do defend three which is great frosting i think is phenomenal because it's ice so you know okay pitch fuse my aether ice Vein, reveal this red frosting arsenal it or my my uh my polar cap or whatever and then i get to play it next turn plus pitch for um my my weapon or whatever it might be or i could just sit in arsenal and just do another attack next turn whatever it might be um i think dart is, is fine yeah i think i had like a c minus it's probably like a at red it's probably like a c c plus for me it's come up with it awesome
0: yeah, so kind of closing out our limited review recap, I think that we were both a bit more on the money than we were back in Tales. I'm pretty congruent with a lot of my picks. Um, the gameplay pattern of Limited, whether it be sealed or draft, has evolved uh, for me, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in the draft portion. But outside of that, Hayden, do you have any closing thoughts sort of wrapping up your uh, your limited review for Uprising?
1: yeah the my kind of overall thoughts is the draft is fine it's kind of interesting and it's kind of fun i actually much prefer drafting tales of ira i think um but gameplay side i much prefer uprising gameplay i think the gameplay is really interesting i think there's a lot of different strategies and play patterns in the games are really dynamic and you often have to change and switch up your strategy and identifying switches of tempo and key points in the game where you have to trade down on damage, so you maybe you lose out on some damage, but for the ability to stop going to a break point or stop a really a key sort of turn from your opponent or breaking up the tempo is really important. So the gameplay side has been, yeah, super interesting to me. The draft has been maybe a little bit less interesting than I would have thought. Just because I think you have to like save to commit early. There's not as many archetypes. I can tell where I felt like there was like yeah. quite Yeah, there's not really archetypes. It's more about just the deck you put together and and I think it. This format is more in the gameplay than is in the draft, which I think is fine. I think it's really good, a really approachable format. I think Tales of Aria, while I really enjoy it, not that approachable as a draft format. So, yeah, overall, I'm excited to just draft more and um, continue to explore the depth. I think I've, I've. This is the, like a the first time in a while, and it sounds maybe a bit silly, but when I'm playing, I feel like I'm like there's so many optimal lines of play that don't appear to me until after the game, like quite a few, which is uh, that's a cool format. Mm. I like that. All right,
0: lastly here, we're going to talk about Majestics here. We didn't talk about it in our limited set review, but are there any bombs?
1: Yeah, I know we're starting to run out of time and we want to get to our, our uh, of course, our review for the week. Um, yeah, I, I think we didn't talk about Majestics and some of them are still, you know, I still haven't played with some of them. I should burn them all in particular. That's a really interesting card to me. A good late game finisher. So I've liked that card. Uprising, I'm not sure how much of an impact that card's going to have constructed, but in limited... That card is a friggin' bomb.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I do believe that. And then, I don't know, other cards that have impressed me. Um, those are kind of the main ones. It's mostly been the Draconic. Some of the Ice, actually. So, Insidious Chill, that card is yes. super friggin' annoying. Super that card annoying. is actually kind of, it might be, that card's pretty ridiculous, actually. Uh, and I think In Case was the other one that was like, pretty pretty good as well um but other than that yeah nothing in particular i'm I'm glad that the majestics haven't seen too me. sorry the 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 dragons right i haven't played with the dragons yet so i'm i'm not really sure how strong those are unlimited um so i need to i need to find that out but yeah uprising uh in case insidious chill in particular Mm-hmm. have been the ones that have been the ones that stood out to me as you know potentially like first pickable majestics that are strong in this format
0: yeah so i also haven't played with too many of them but i have played with uprising i played against the Sidious chill and i think that those cards are incredible i wonder yeah. about uh the one thing i don't have exposure to is any of the legendary armor pieces if anything really stands out um if you if you get it
1: but they defend three <laughs>
0: yeah i mean good. that if that's if, if that's it i mean that's 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 standard rate for you know a piece of legendary equipment being really good but uh i'm just wondering about the effects so seems like average haven't heard anything have played against it but yeah doesn't not we'll, too many we'll bombs in the set
1: we'll see more. i mean i feel like i didn't really hear much about crown of seeds last format and that was like a freaking ridiculous bomb in that format um so i saw some crown of providence do a lot of work next to me at the world premiere for someone um the Tiger Stripe Shuko is probably the next one that sort of impresses me because of the interaction with uh, Phoenix Flame and Fi. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I think they're no none of them are Crown Seeds, which is, is nice because that was ridiculous in the last limited format.
0: I actually never played against it, which is hilarious. Oh, it was
1: awful. <laughs> I never played with it, but I played against it a couple of times. I never was lucky enough to have one. But, you
0: know. All right, so before we head into our Google review for the week, Hayden, why don't you tell people how they can submit a review and potentially get their review read out on the uh, on the pod?
1: Oh, please. And I'm picking the review next week. I haven't had a chance to pick a review yet, Brendan, so give me give me the chance. Give me the the privilege. But if you do want to get your reviews in, maybe one for me, you know, uh, you can submit them at ratethispodcast.com forward slash pass. And it really, aside from, you know, getting your uh, review read, it really does help us out. Helps us get out to, to more people, uh, players who are maybe discovering Flesh and Blood for the first time. And uh, it helps us list higher and sort of, you know, podcasts and gaming podcasts. And maybe they'll even come across a Flesh and Blood, uh, Flesh and Blood podcast naturally so please do get your reviews and you can do it for your preferred format but that's it brennan who's the review from and what does it say and how many stars are we getting
0: uh is this is five stars from brian Ooh. one two three four five three two one five the brian one two three yep um so he says arsenal pass in my opinion is the best podcast out there for flesh and blood content it packs tons of great information into a tight package without a lot of filler material both hosts are both hosts are extremely knowledgeable hayden is both a calling champion and a national champion the other host is probably the second most popular brendan patrick on twitter now that is a funny joke and if you don't know what he's talking about
1: you should probably just
0: probably just leave it there. <laughs>
1: uh, well, thank you, uh, Brian one two three five three two one five for your review. The Brian one two three five two one five, Brendan, of course, from the United States, giving us a five star rating. We thank you. We do love a good joke with the reviews. That's Arsenal Pass for this week. That is our re-review of the limited review for the uprising review of the preview of limited review. Right, Brendan, and our thoughts on limited. Yes, whatever you said. Yes. We're gonna get more into limited as we get into the season, and we get some more drafts under our belt. Don't worry about that. We've got some, uh, you know, some some heroes to go through. Of course, we can talk more about classic constructed, but for this week, that'll do it for us. I want to say a big thank you to all of our patrons uh, for all that you enable us to do for supporting us. We do have a Patreon podcast coming in the next week for you. Of course, as always, we're a couple of days late. That's me and Brendan at this point. Uh, if you want to engage in Flesh and Blood Twitter, of course, the uh, Fab Fitness Challenge is going on at the moment. Whether it be for you know your your personal fitness, whether it be for your your health, uh mental health, come and join in. There's a there's a hashtag on there you can follow along. And also we're at uh I'm at Fienn underscore Dale and Brendan is at Brendan APG. Until next week Brendan, we'll see you then.